Lined into left center, and what a play made by the rookie Brian O'Grady. Pitch. Oh, into right field. Brian O'Grady, first big league home run. Fly ball, center field struck well. Marisnik going back at the wall. Gone! Welcome back, Brian O'Grady. It's a big deal. Big, big deal. All right. Welcome inside episode 74 of Breaking Bats presented by Not For Long Media. My name is Justin Ayers, and I promised myself I wouldn't cry, but I'm about to <laughs> because after six months, the man himself has returned to the podcast, blessing their, your airwaves and into your ears. It is Brian O'Grady <laughs> back from Korea. Uh, Brian, this is a big day. It's not a sad day. It's a happy day. No sad day, bad day. I'm so glad no to see you. Day, you, look, you look incredible. How are you? And yeah, let's. This, this is also a big day for the pod because now we have the big three. Yep. Big Dre's is here. Yeah. Kate, nice to meet you. Thanks, um, you too, Brian. Thanks for having me back on, guys. Yeah, it's been uh it's been a long time. Has it really been six months? Is that accurate or are you just throwing that out there? No, wow. it, yeah, you it was around New Year's of last year, I think. That's nuts. Yeah. Um lots definitely happened. I am uh we'll talk about all that, but it's good to be back. It's good to talk to you guys. I haven't done this in forever. It's weird to to be back on and like talking podcast style, but um, yeah, it's <laughs> this is funny. I can't believe this. This is like, how long did we go, Gay? We were like a year in, something like that. Uh, we went from February to December every single week, and then yeah, uh, a lot. Yeah, right right around the turn of the new year, you, you went off to get ready for for Korea, and you did sh- you did check in from Korean spring training, I believe, via video, but. Um, <laughs> There was, uh, I think people are just like, first of all, people are excited to hear you, see you, all that stuff. But like, I, I feel like we have we have some questions for, to ask you about your time over there and what you've been up to. Because like I said, it's been a little bit. People love you. Every time I posted a clip about you, even like from old podcasts, it would just pop off. So uh, <laughs> the people love Brian O'Grady and I can't say I, I disagree. Yeah, I don't know why they do, but that's pretty <laughs> funny. Um, God, I guess we can just, I'll just throw it all out there, I guess. Um, so yeah, spring training, we started in Arizona and that was all, you know, all good. Um, and then we left, we went to Okinawa, Japan, which was pretty cool. Cause I, you know, obviously I was in Japan last year and the Okinawa trip, um, there's no team in Okinawa, but they go down there and play and, that was when my daughter was born. So I missed that trip and I was actually looking forward to that. So it was cool to like see it and everything, but man, the weather was brutal. Like it wasn't nice. If you look at Okinawa on like your Apple maps, you're going to be like, Holy shit. It's just like in the middle of the Pacific ocean. There's just like not a whole lot, lot going on. And, uh, but same with Arizona and the MLB spring was like that too. It was like just cold and it's just not ideal. So that wasn't too fun because of that. And then we went back to Korea and, um, you know, preseason, just long, long time. Like I left home January 20th, no, January 30th. Cause my wife's birth, my wife's birthday when we left for Arizona. Um, so like I was, we've been going since January 30th, which is super early, obviously. And, uh, spring training over there was like, it was okay. You know, I hit, 
I hit really well. Uh, hit some homers. I didn't have a lot of hits to show for it, just like hard outs, whatever. Um, but I definitely started to like miss my wife and daughter again, like big time. Um, you know, cause the whole off season I got used to being around and like being a dad and doing all that stuff and it's the best and I love it. So it started to get hard then mentally for me and just, uh, kind of just kept going really. And on top of that, like my swing was not, I don't know what, I don't know really when that happened. It just kind of got into a little bit of a bad spot and the combo was just not, not good. It was just really bad. And, you know, it was the classic, the balls I did hit hard. It was like diving catch, you know, like whatever. I'm just like frustrated, uh, hating everything. Um, it's hard to not feel like alone, no matter what over there, because you're just in a totally different culture and can't talk to everybody. Like, and I, you know, I did it in Japan the year before. Like, I think for me, that just got to be like a lot because I did it for two straight or not two straight years, but you know, however long that a year and a half or whatever of just like being away from my wife and daughter and that really hurting and like being weird for me. And then the like <clears throat> loneliness of being in a different country, not speaking the language, even though the people are like super nice and like, it's not like they, not like they were like ignoring me or something, but just like, I don't know. It's hard to explain like, unless you do it, I guess. And that whole combo was just mentally really, really bad for me. And I wasn't in a good spot and I wasn't having, like, I wasn't enjoying it at all. Um, and obviously it was showing on the field. And then, you know, they said to me, I had American coaches to start, which was nice for obvious reasons, because <laughs> I could, I could talk to them a little bit, you know, but, uh, you know, they were like, we will, what do you think about going down for just 10 days to like the minor league and just kind of like relax and not think about anything. And I'm, you know, in my head, I'm like this, that's just, <laughs> that's not good. That's not going to help. And if I end up doing it, whatever, it didn't help. I was more miserable because the minor leagues, like the middle of nowhere, it was, it's just, I was in a dorm. It's just not good. It's just not good. Um, so I get back after the 10 days and the first game after the first game, we won, they fired all the coaches. <laughs> and it was like strange too, because, um, the team had actually gone like a, I think that was like the sixth straight game that, that we won, like me not being there for those first five or whatever. And, uh, so everybody was kind of like, what? Like, it was just a strange situation. And I think what happened really is the week before they had lost like five straight games. So I think like the decision might've came then and they were kind of figuring out how to do everything. Cause this was that, this was the third year for that staff there. So I think they were trying to figure that out. 
and I guess they had it all lined up. And that was like when they decided to pull the trigger, but it was just strange. And a lot of the guys were, uh, didn't really understand too. And I didn't even really think about it because, you know, the team was so bad. There, there were a lot of young guys who are pretty good players, um, like playing. And those are the only coaches that they've ever known. And like to those kids, the KBO is like the MLB, you know, like that's over there. That's it. So they were really like upset and sad and like hurt <laughs> when those, when the coaches got fired. So that happened. And then that made it really weird. And, um, couple you know a couple more games i still yeah i was like more miserable not playing and still not playing good and they uh called me in and said they wanted to send me down again and i was like no (laughs) basically i was like i'm probably gonna go home and they were pretty like taken back by that and uh they didn't really understand like the, the coach and like bench coach and long story short, whatever I ended up saying, all right, I'll, I'll give it one last chance. Like I'm not just going to quit. And I went and it was not good. And actually the first day I like tweaked my oblique. So I still, they like shut me down for a couple days and, um, Long story short, that's when they sent me home. And I went straight. They were like, the the trainer there had me not swinging for like two more weeks. I thought I was two days away from swing, at least swinging, you know, hitting again and then playing like another day or two after that. Um, so I think that probably caused some of that speed up too because – they only have one foreign position player over there. So they're pretty, it's pretty important. And uh, yeah, so they released me. And then the next day I was on a plane and I flew straight to Seattle uh, and stayed at driveline for like five days and started, you know, started hitting. <laughs> so I literally, I got there, I think on like, Thursday afternoon, I was exhausted. Like, you know, the time change and everything was all messed up. So Friday, I just kind of worked out, moved around, didn't hit. And then Saturday, I hit. I started hitting and been doing everything totally normal since then. And I've had no issues at all. So, um, yeah, like full-blown, you know, hitting off the machine, like everything. I'm, I'm fine. And so, yeah, that's it. I came back after that. Been at home since, just hanging out, being, being a dad, being a husband, and basically in like off season mode. You know, I wake up, I work out, I do my hitting, my running, like all that stuff, and so that's where we're at right now. I know that's a lot, a lot of rambling, um, but that's basically the gist of how everything's gone so far. And you can ask whatever you want off of that. Okay. Kate, I'm going to let you go first. Any, any questions? Top of the head. What do you think like were the biggest differences playing there versus here? I know you said the mental aspect was obviously a little bit tougher, but anything else that like really stood out to you? Honestly, and this is going to sound like not great because 
one, if you like, if you look at my stats, you're, you're going to be like, what, you can't even say anything, but, um, the level of competition was not where I was expecting it for sure. Like okay. Japan, Japan was definitely a step up, like a lot better. I was pitching and defense was not the same in Korea. They got some guys who could hit and then, you know, there's some guys who are pretty good, but like overall was definitely not the same. Um, But I, I just, you know, I can't say why exactly it didn't work, you know, like what went wrong for me or like the biggest differences. But in terms of just straight play style from MLB to KBO, it was definitely um, pitching and defense is not, not at the same level. What about the difference to, differences between the MPB and the KBO? I'd say the same. The Japanese pitching is definitely better as well as the defense. I would say, though, the KBO guys got a little more pop, I feel like, from top to bottom than the Japanese guys. The best Japanese guys, like as you see with Yoshida, I mean, they can hit here. But um, the pop and power go down pretty pretty quick overall in Japan. Any, any notable guys that people here might recognize that you ran into or maybe somebody, some guys on your team? There's a fair amount of major league guys I see that go over there and even come back. Shout out Mike Talkman. Yeah, and the KBO. Uh, Jose Perella played over here for, I believe he was a Yankee, uh, if Kate remembers that. But he definitely was a Padre. He's over there. He's, he, he does pretty well over there. Um Anthony Alford was there last year, and he's back there again this year. He bounced around a little bit here. Um, I'm trying to th- – Addison Russell's over there right now, former That's Cub. Yeah. Um, I think those are the guys people would probably, like, recognize. Um, pitchers. There's definitely pitchers. I'm trying to think of who they are. I can't think off the top of my head right now, but there are definitely a couple pitchers that people would know. Oh, but I know who. Get former guest of this podcast, Sean Anderson. Sean Anderson, yep, he's over there. He's with Kia. Who I'm like totally blanking on the pitchers right now. But there's definitely some names you would recognize. I mean, the foreign pitchers obviously are, are pretty good. Are pretty good pitchers. Um, and then there's you know there's a handful who are, who are good like the. The guy we got opening day, I forget his name. He was um, like he was throwing 96, 99 the whole game. Like he he might have a chance to actually play here. And then two guys on my team, two young guys, they were back to back. The first overall pick last year and the first overall pick the year before. Both righty pitchers are like 18 years old throwing 97, 100. So those guys, um, a couple years. I think they'll they'll be over here. I told Moon is the starting pitcher. I told him I'd see him whenever he makes his debut over here. I'll I'll fly to the game and, and see him. Who's my buddy? So definitely some good guys. I mean, I do miss like my teammates and stuff. Like they were great. It had nothing to do with them. I love those guys. Um, so I'll be rooting for them. Like I, I really do. Those two guys I think will come play over here, come pitch over here. I should say. Were the living conditions similar to like the minor leagues or is it completely different over there? So 
no, it's it's nicer than that. Um, like my apartment, and everything was great. The travel really was like not bad at all, especially compared to Japan. Um, it was just uh, we were in, like my team was like in the middle of the country, so really our farthest we'd take a bus, and it was like probably the worst one's probably like three and a half hours. The one time when we went, to Seoul is only like an hour and a half, but the traffic in Seoul is like. I, I, we, it took us, we got to Seoul and it took us two hours to get to where we were going in Seoul the one day. It was, I couldn't believe how long we were sitting on the bus. It was nuts. So the travel, like that really wasn't bad and all the hotels are nice and everything like that. So really that, that part was, was easy. I don't mind bus rides flying all over the place or like flying in Japan or was, was worse than Korea for sure. <clears throat> Brian, I'm thinking back to a video that we made the last time you're on talking about how you, that was the fifth country you've played professional baseball in. I think. Could you ever believe that a, a kid from outside Philadelphia would, would have a, a game be the thing that takes you all around the world? Like how, how are you going to look back at your, your international time playing baseball? Your, the stories, the times, like that, that's gotta be an incredible thing to pass on to your kids and your grandkids. Yeah, I mean, one day I'm sure I'll look back on it and think about how cool it was and, and how much fun it was. Um, I de you know, Japan, I definitely enjoyed Japan, and I'll always look back on that with fond memories, and that was fun. Um, Korea was a little personally um, rougher, so I don't know. We'll see how that we'll see how that turns out, but that's. I don't ever want to make it sound like it was Korea's fault or anything like that. It was just, it was like more personal and what was going on in my life. I think just kind of the whole circumstance of that, as opposed to like the country was great. The people were all nice. Like my translator is like one of the nicest, genuinely nicest human beings I've ever met in my life. Um, and without him, I don't know what I would have done, but uh, yeah, it just, wasn't the right timing and stuff. And one day I'm sure I'll look back and think it was cool to see everything and, and do all that kind of stuff. But I definitely, I definitely have missed playing in the United States too. Also true. Um, what's next? What you said, you were in driveline. You, this, you're looking good. You're feeling good. You're swinging the bat again. Like what, what, what's, what, what do you, what do you want to have happen next as you, as you're back in Florida and you're getting ready for, you know, the, whatever is next. Yeah, so uh, we're basically just waiting, waiting on teams, um, trying to play back here. The worst case scenario is I'll probably go play independent ball somewhere um, to get back on the field and hopefully just get signed out of there. You know, show show I can hit again. Still, basically, I mean, you know, being totally honest, if people or just, just look at my stats from over there. They're going to be like, <laughs> honestly, they're so bad that people probably have to be like, okay, there's no way he's actually that bad. He has like something else was going on. So, um, but if they just take a look and don't dig it all, then it, it won't look good. So probably if I need to go back and just show, I can hit for a couple of weeks and hopefully sign somewhere in AAA and, and keep going. Um, yeah, I definitely, as nice as it, as it has been being back home right now and just like doing whatever I want, <laughs> I'm not ready to, I still, you know, I still want to play. 
I definitely still want to play. Um, I still feel like uh, I can definitely play at the highest level and, and help some teams uh, if given the chance. But um, yeah, I'm 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 still going. And even if for whatever reason, if this year is not working out, uh, we'll probably still in the uh, off season still be going and and work on a job for next year and and keep going from there. I think this year, yeah, best. Best case scenario. I mean, anything can happen, but best case scenario is probably, you know, just get back to AAA and and hit like I do, and hopefully get an invite to big league spring training somewhere next year. I think is probably my biggest goal. That's exciting. Rooting for you. I feel Thank like you. too, like independent baseball is not like I. I just saw Daniel Murphy got signed from the Long Island Ducks. Like our guy Matt Adams was playing yep. for like the Kansas City Monarchs, I think. Um, like, yeah, I, I feel like if 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 that is the the route that you take, that's still like, you know, it's not not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, definitely like so you're you know out. How's the defense doing? You still running around the outfield? You playing all four corners? Like, yeah, defense defensive career is actually great, which was which was nice because like my my coach even said it to me. He's like, you're a really good outfielder. I was like. Yeah, uh, thank you. Uh, but like, I think we talked about this, J.A. in Japan, how I was hurt for, for like ninety percent of the season and couldn't run, and no one knew. Um, and I said that to him, and he's like, "That that must have been where like the report was from because whatever the first game of the season, he took me out late in the game, like defensive replacement, and I was like." And I played great defense the whole time there. But I guess that was like the scouting report from when I was in Japan. And then he did it for the first like week. And then after that, he like stopped and I threw a runner out at the plate. And that's when he said that to me. And he was like, he's like, yeah, I was like, that was the report, but I keep watching you play and I'm like, there's no way I'm taking this guy out of the out, like out for defense anymore. So yeah, defense was much better, which I was very happy about because it was very annoying in Japan to like be used to running around and like doing stuff and then not being able to do it as well for a, an entire season. Right. Yeah. Cause it wasn't your quad or something you were telling me about. It was just like, yeah, yeah. it was, it was limp back to the mobility and this year it was, it was healthier, right? Everything was good. Everything's good. Yeah. It was, that was brutal though. Yeah. Literally the fourth game of the season, like stretching. I don't even know how it happened. We were actually warming up and I was like, ow. And yep. (laughs) Whole, whole year. It was like that because as soon as it was like, kind of, you know, they just wanted me to hit. So they didn't really care that much. And our DHs were Nakamura-san and Kuriyama-san who were both like 40 years old, been doing it forever. And so they were DHing. So like I couldn't just DH. Yeah. And yeah, every time it was like getting better, I would go and like push it just a little bit for a ball and it was right back to sucking. <laughs> oh, <Jesus. laughs> Damn. Well it's all good. We made it. You did. Uh, happy for you, dude. You're back home. Uh, if the right, Hey, we're all getting into, this might be a running podcast now because, you know, Kate does the run a mile for every run the Yankees score the night before, if they win the game, uh, I'm recently becoming an avid runner. 
What if yes. we what if we just start like a run club, a breaking bats run club? We'll get Brian out there on the beach down there in Florida. <laughs> you know? I think it's a good show, idea. Show, yeah. Just, I don't think I can I don't think I can keep up with the two of you in uh long distance. I definitely I know for a fact I can't keep up with Kate running all those miles. Jay, I don't know how far you're running, but I don't know if I can make it. I don't even know if I can make it one mile. I can do some sprints, that's for sure. But <laughs> a mile and I'll be like laying down on the concrete. <laughs> one singular mile. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not kidding. One singular mile. I don't know. I don't run I don't think I've ran a mile in like 15 years, honestly. It's not really? that far. It's far. That is very. <laughs> it's not far. part of your. It's not part of your training <laughs> in the off season. Look, look, cardio conditioning. It's not. Yeah, don't you need that? Pitchers are the ones who run far in baseball, but you know, it's. Uh, my theory is, you know, sprinters are like large jack people, and that's that's what I want to be. Okay. Marathon runners are usually a little bit slimmer because they got to run so far. My body type's just not really built for it at this point. <laughs> That's what it is. That's what we're using as the excuse. He's just not built. For it. <laughs> just not built for it, and I'm mentally weak, I guess. Oh, <laughs> it's a good point. Yeah, you don't see too many Jack marathon runners. That's no. Valid, valid there are point. some. There's definitely yeah. some. Don't get me wrong, but those those are like the. Uh, David Goggins and like Nick Bear, these dudes who are like just nuts out there running these crazy ultra marathons and stuff, and they're still like shredded somehow. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, super good. We interrupt this episode to bring you a word from the official sponsor of Not For Long Media and the Breaking Bass podcast, the original Fudge Kitchen. It is a staple of the Jersey Shore with six locations in Cape May, Wildwood, North Wildwood, Stone Harbor, and Ocean City. The original Fudge Kitchen makes all of their fudge in-store guaranteed a delicious product, so stop by and let them know that Not For Long Media and Breaking Bats sent you. Check them out online at fudgekitchenswithans.com as they are shipping fudge and sweet treats all across the country. Now back to the episode. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing all that stuff, Brian. We have some, some MLB topics to go into with you. Uh, there's a lot happening. So uh, I'm going to let Kate take the lead on this one because uh, there's three super teams that are sucking right now, and uh, <laughs> no, yes, we got to we got to talk about it. If you would have told me last year that this is what MLB would look like, just all throughout standings, rankings, everything is all mixed matched. But this past weekend, the Houston Astros, the LA Dodgers, and the Yankees were all swept. Astros and Dodgers came biggest rivals. The Astros and I'm sorry, the Yankees and Dodgers biggest rivals. In the Dodgers-Giants game, Dodgers gave up the most amount of runs to the Giants in a three-game series ever. So that was just historically bad. Yankees lose the first game to the Boston Red Sox 15-5. to We had IKF pitching. Shout out Colin Thurow. Interviewed him, the bullpen catcher, last week. We're like, oh, IKF's going to pitch again. That's just great. And the Houston Astros can't make a play in the infield. The bullpen's imploding. All the pitchers on the I.L., I was saying out of these three teams, I think the Astros are the most concerning just because of all the injuries. Defending World Series champions, they were the top team that people thought were going to be the champions this year, 2023. Worst record since 2016 through their first 70, 72 games of the season, 7-10 and 10 in the month of June. They're my pick with the one that I'm concerned with the most, but Justin, who you got for this? Okay. 
Uh, I am going to say the LA Dodgers are the most concerning because I saw, yeah, okay. there was a 15 to nothing blowout on Saturday against the Giants. That was the, the, the most lopsided loss at home since 1898. That's awesome. Uh, I looked up like there, I was like, I kept hearing rumblings about this bad bullpen. I was like, no, not LA, not the Dodgers. They have the second worst bullpen ERA in baseball and the highest opponents average against for bullpen in baseball. Um, it's and the lineup is look, I, no offense to these guys, but it's not exactly like the a thunderous group because on that 15 to nothing blowout loss, I was like, who the hell they got playing? They have Johnny DeLuca in center, Vargas at second, Miguel Rojas at short, and Michael Bush at third. Um, no offense to those guys, but not a traditional Dodgers lineup. Um, so they can't hit the pitching's really bad, uh, and they're down like every starter they have. So, uh, unless they trade for everybody, I think the Dodgers are pretty concerning in the West. Ryan. Yeah, I, I agree with Kate. I think the Astros are the biggest concern. Uh, Jose Abreu, that signing hasn't really panned out how they were, were hoping. Um, Alvarez is, is hurt and down for, for a good amount of time. I just think more than anything, too, like the, the Rangers are for real. And I just don't see the Astros keeping up with that. And the Angels are playing are playing solid. So I, I think like they're just kind of shit out of luck this year. I think it's the Rangers division and possibly the Rangers um league, even though Tampa have something to say about that. But uh yeah, I think the Astros, they've just been so good for so long. It just feels like it's kind of that time where it's coming down. And the Dodgers just like always figure it out. I don't know. So I can't, I can't really <laughs> bet it, you know, like say anything bad against them. Have you seen the NL West this year? It is completely just turned upside down. It's the Diamondbacks yeah. are in first, the Giants are in second, LA, San Diego, and Colorado. But um, yeah. I, I didn't see that coming as we get closer to the all-star break. That's, those are two teams at the top that I think were almost at the bottom last year. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Good for the Diamondbacks. I mean, what a good start to the season for them. Um, Corbin Carroll is the real deal, so that's pretty cool to see. And, man, I you know, the Padres, obviously disappointing to start. Obviously near and dear for me, but I think they'll turn around. I really do. I know it's been uh, – they just they can't string it together. It seems like, you know, they have that good game, and it's like, oh, here we go. Maybe they're going to do it, and then it kind of just fizzles out again, and I know the fans get upset about that, but they're just – so talented i just it just like has to work i feel like yeah that's what justin and i were saying in the pot we said we weren't hitting the panic button on the padres too there's too many good people in that lineup to not eventually get it done like it's, it's just it's gonna happen i think they just are going through a rough rough patch like the yankees have you kept up with the padres have you talked to your our guys ben and woods at all yeah i was on the uh i went on I their their yeah, in the morning that was what I was in Seattle when I did it. So a couple of weeks ago, always good to you know. Uh, Woodsy was texting me. I'll I'll get a text from him every so often, no matter what. So it's always good to talk to them. But yeah, we had fun. I miss them. Um, yeah, next time I'm ever out that way, definitely meet up with them. And um, they're the best. You know, they just they're the best. But I'm sure I got to listen to their show because I'm sure that they are having some interesting discussions going on out there people are you know how, how fired up the uh padres fan base gets these these days 
You say one nice thing about Eric Hosmer, they're coming through the throat. <laughs> There's just, I think I'm still getting, catching residual like shots from that. It's still going. <laughs> that video is still going. You say oh Eric Hosmer is like a God. decent guy, and all right, and they, you know, you're, you're you're lumped in a category with like dictators, and it's, it's bad. So, oh um, man, oh I'm sticking to it. I don't care. I think he's a nice guy. I think he'll. I think he's a good hitter still. Sorry. No Hos. I'll die on this hill. I will. <laughs> I will Cosmer. die on this hill. Love Eric Cosmer. Um, he's looking for the right opportunity right now. It'll come. Um, all right. Uh, I wanted to talk about the team that drafted you, Brian, because the Cincinnati Reds have dubbed themselves America's team. They've won nine in a row. They swept the Royals, the Astros, two out of three from the cards, one against the Rockies. Votto's back. He still bangs. Like, this is this is a fun group of guys. Do you think calling them America's team was a little bit premature? Yeah, I don't know. Can you really self-proclaim that you're America's team? I don't know if you can or not. Like, for we're America's team, forcing them, like forcing America to pick you. I think you know, like the Mariners were America's team, but I feel like that was because our buddy Caravas just tweeted it so many times that people were like, "Oh, I guess they're America's team," but it wasn't the Mariners actually doing it. So, yeah. but yeah, what a I mean, they're fun. Ellie De La Cruz. Obviously a freak, but up and down that lineup, I mean, Spencer Steers having a, a great year. Um, Jonathan India is having a great – I mean, obviously was rookie of the year and had a little bit of a rougher year after that, but now is is having a great year too. I, they're – my buddy TJ Friedel, man, he's playing. I know he was hurt a little bit, but he's having a great year. They're just – I don't know. They, they, they play well, and now Votto gets back and – what a first game back. I mean, the Homer game winning RBI, I think. Right. And, uh, you know, and they're serious too, because they, they, uh, they DFA Will Myers today, um, who they owed an, especially for them, a nice chunk of money to for the season. And, you know, they said, forget it. We're not messing, messing with this and keeping these guys who've been producing. So good for them. Good for the, you know, Cincinnati, I'm, I'm happy for those fans. Uh, they're definitely a, a fun, exciting team. TJ Friedel, team leader in war, by the way. Uh, Kate, what's your take? Yeah, I mean, when they when they swept the Astros, I said they're, that's going to get them a lot of momentum. Eight-game winning streak, six rounds a game. They're absolutely killing it. Uh, Matt McLean is doing his thing. We mentioned Jonathan India. Ellie De La Cruz, I also just think that this team has a lot of incentive and a lot of fire and I think it's tough like when you're in those rebuilding years to you know stick through it but then when everything starts to click it's awesome and Ellie De La Cruz like sliding head first into first base was just absolutely insane and I feel like it's little things like that that get the team really fired up and I mean do I think it's a little premature to call themselves America's team yes but I do believe that they can absolutely clinch a playoff berth and ultimately make a run do they have holes yes but so does everyone in that division so i'm not super concerned with them i i just think they're a lot of fun to watch right now i would pay to watch an ellie de la cruz and o'neill cruz just i don't i don't know what i don't know what i like just hitting running hanging out i don't know those guys together must be electric um brian i had a question because you mentioned that they didn't want to mess with the clubhouse chemistry they have a good thing going i saw a quote jake fraley said I think it's the magic you see. It's just the culture is created. It's not a special thing that comes out of nowhere. What you're seeing has been specifically worked on. It's been cultivated since spring training, and honestly, since the end of last year. 
that sounds like a group of guys that really enjoy playing together. Um, can you have you been a part of anything like that where the team just kind of like rallies around each other so much where it's like almost like reminiscent of those Royals teams that like were 2014, 2015? Like, I don't know. I feel like clubhouse chemistry doesn't get talked about enough. Yeah, it's definitely important. I mean, I guess the closest thing for me would be with the Rays in 2020. Um, it's just like when everybody can be themselves and guys have each other's backs and you're just all pulling for the same thing, I think it that it definitely can be something special. And it just seems like that team, the Reds, like I feel like they're they're all kind of like close in age. You know, it just seems like, like none of them are, you know, the prospects coming up now, but like none of them are, you know, huge names or other than Votto too. But I feel like it's just a, it's just like a good mix of, of guys who just go out there and feel like they got something to prove and um, play the game hard. And yeah, you just, you get some magic from that for sure. And they got some good arms. I know they're young, but they do have some good arms to go, go with that too. And Diaz shutting down is pretty nasty too. It's a great team. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah. Andrew Abbott, 17 innings, no runs. Hunter Green still throwing gas. Like they have dudes. Um, I, uh, I, I was wondering though, because like, yeah, I just I, I like the clubhouse chemistry. I, I also think that like having Joey Votto as like the clubhouse like leader, the veteran now. It's like and also did you hear too like the Jonathan India scuttlebutt about like them potentially trading him, him like getting asked about that? Like I don't know. Every time I hear something about Jonathan India, it's like heart and soul of the team, and that feels like somebody you probably wouldn't want to trade. Yeah, I saw that because I saw it from Trent Rosecrans. Um that whole exchange with, with- Kirk Herb Street, which was pretty nuts. And it's and it like yeah, that was pretty crazy. Um yeah, I don't know. I I would have been shocked that they traded India. It's just like I feel like having a lot of good players is is a good problem to have. So like if you're rotating or if one guy takes a day off, I mean look at the Rays. How many of those guys don't start some of those games? Like Josh Lowe is the last time I looked, you know, I was hitting like 300 with a good amount of homers and like he consistently isn't starting against lefties or whatever. So it's like, I feel like you just find ways to get guys into the game and, and make it work. So I don't see them moving India anywhere now. That's for sure. Yeah, you're right. That was the thing. Cause it's like, well, you have all these prospects and you have too many guys and enough spots. And it's like, well, somebody's got to go. I don't know. That was a wild day on Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, that was because it was funny too. Because obviously, Trent's my friend, but Herb Street, as you know, as we've talked about, I'm a college football junkie. So Herb Street's my guy from college game day, and it was just like, how are these two? Like, what is this argument? Right? It was just so strange to see. I'm like, what? Log on the old tweeter and see that. Like, this is <laughs> this is not what I was expecting today. <laughs> Sorry, Kate. We talk about college football a lot too. Sometimes that's okay. (laughs) Totally fine. (laughs) Get gassed up for the fall now. Yeah, yeah. It's coming, but that's neither that's neither here nor there. An hour just on college football. Um, (laughs) Kate, anything else? Nope, that's it for me. Okay. Um, Yeah, it's 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 a fun grouping in, in Cincinnati. I wanted to talk though because it wouldn't be a podcast with Kate if we didn't talk just a little bit about the Yankees. Just a little. No, I, just, a, just a little. We could just, a, yeah, just a tiny bit. There's a lot that's going on right now. I, yes. I read a New York Post article 
Hal Steinbrenner uh, is calling out the veterans of the group. And I was like, I feel like I've never heard anything from Hal Steinbrenner. Does this guy, does he talk? He doesn't. He doesn't really talk that often. But when no. he does, uh, he says, we have to start hitting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a weird time for the Yankees. Uh, I was just wondering, like, as, as a Yankees fan, where, where are you kind of assessing blame right now? Is it the veterans? Is it Cashman? Is it Aaron Boone? Is it John Boy? I'm very – is it John Boy? <laughs> John Boy. I'm, I'm very passionate about this subject, and I will – I'm going to take two sides to this. I understand that Aaron Judge is, you know, on the IL, and that's the top story, and the media has to ask that every single day. Totally understand it. That's the narrative. I did agree with Boone when he went up to the media on Saturday and said, there's plenty of other guys in the lineup that can get this done. And I'm basically sick and tired of this story that we can't win without Aaron judge. It's one player. It's, it's, it's one player. I he's a, a great player, nothing against him, but it is one singular player. And it's interesting. I do will. I will say this though, on the flip side, I think his presence in the lineup does kind of get everyone a little bit more fired up. But if I'm placing blame on someone, I'm placing blame on the veterans that can be getting it done. Rizzo, Stanton, DJ, Glaber, they they got to get Donaldson, they got to get it done. Because you have a lot of guys that are able to step up and actually use this as an opportunity to be, you know, the unsung hero. Stanton's got to be better. Rizzo's having one of the worst stretches in his entire career ever. So I don't really want to blame management because obviously you can't predict that. And there are a lot of injuries. I feel like the veterans at this point really need to step up. And I did, I did like that Hal went out there and said, you know what? I'm just going to throw them under the bus. They all need to step up. <laughs> Brian, what's wrong with the Yankees? <laughs> Unless, I mean, Kate, Kate did a great job right there. I don't have too much to add. They uh, obviously judge being hurt is, is the big thing, but I said this when they signed when they signed uh, Carlos Rodon was like I thought they needed more hitting. I didn't think that you know the pitching was pitching was pretty good. It was like we need somebody else to hit, and judges hurt, and you see like things aren't going the right way. Um, so, and it's what a tough division. I mean, the Rays just keep winning, and the uh, the Orioles like that's uh, I don't know. I don't know. They need Judge back, and they need to make some sort of move. I think Volpe, uh, you know, he hasn't been great, but I don't think I, – I know his numbers aren't the best, but I don't think he's been, like, terrible either, honestly. I thought he's been doing a pretty good job for being thrown at, in the shortstop for the New York Yankees at, like, 21 years old or whatever he is. So, uh, yeah, they need to they need to figure it out without Aaron Judge, which easier said than done, but – Maybe maybe if Aaron Hicks was still there and crushing the ball for him now, they they'd be doing better. It's true. This is true. <laughs> I was I was wait I was waiting to see what your Volpe opinion would be because this is a staunchly Anthony Volpe pro podcast. Uh, we 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 both we both love him. So I think he's good. I mean, I think he's gonna be a good player. I like his swing. I think that's just a tough. It's just a tough spot. Like I if if he th- you know if he thought he was gonna roll out there and hit like three hundred, I mean. It's just I don't know, especially because he's playing shortstop. Like <clears throat> that's a lot of pressure defensively too. So it's like constant, both of them. Like he's probably worried about his hitting, and then he's out there playing defense. Like 
it's just a lot. I think he's, I think for the, under the circumstances, I think he's, I think he's playing pretty well, honestly. Yeah. The listeners are going to think we told Brian to say that when he came on the podcast. Yeah. You're not, you're not under duress. You, you actually do think that, right? Yeah. You guys didn't say anything about Volpe until, uh, until I brought him up. Yeah. I don't know why I just became an Anthony Volpe guy. I don't even like the Yankees. It's, it's okay. I'm, I might just become an Aaron Boone guy too. I might just zig Stop. when everybody else zags. No, hear me out. I mean, like, I feel like his in-game managerial decisions aren't that bad. I, I, I don't understand where all this this hatred came from. Um, I don't know. I just I, I want to take it to talking Yanks' interview with him every single week, which has just become confrontational. It's it's become <laughs> like standoffish, which is weird. Cause like you would think if you had access to the manager of the New York Yankees every week, you wouldn't necessarily like, I think their first question this week is why don't you care more? Or like, why don't you show more emotion when you lose? And I'm like, all right. Um, Kate, it sounds like, it sounds like you, you're not of that opinion. I, I think they're doing their job and they're trying to ask what the fans want to know. And what happened was just because I, I've, I've been, you know, Fall and talking Yanks since their very, very early days. And in the beginning, they were literally just basically bullshitting with Aaron Boone, like just like shooting the shit, like very nonchalant questions. And the fans were going, I don't understand. You have Aaron Boone on the podcast. Ask him an actual question. So now they're trying to get a little bit more pressure on him and kind of hold him accountable more. And there was this whole article that came out, like if they're going to take Boone away from a radio spot, because he's only allowed to do so many per year, they have to ask him, you know, a little bit of the hard questions. I have to say though, I, it was funny. They, I commented on their TikTok today and they commented back. They're like, maybe we'll bring you in as a mediator. I said, oh, I'd be happy to mediate. Justin knows I'm the PR for the New York Yankees. But the one that kind of felt interesting today was their whole back and forth with the runner, runner on third Ooh. base, two, one ball game. And they asked Boone, you know, top of the eighth inning, there's runner on third base, grounders hit to the second baseman. Why is your infield back? Like, why aren't you going to try and get the run out of the plate? And Boone was like, what? We have two more opportunities to hit. Of course my infield would be back. And Jake held his own and said, I disagree with you. Your offense is doing horrible. So it was, it was interesting. J Justin, what did you, or Brian, what do you think about that from like a manager I, standpoint? I want Brian's opinion. So yeah, I do want Brian's opinion. I need it. Yeah, I actually agree with Boone in that scenario. Uh, I think, I think like the standard baseball manager handbook would say you leave you leave the defense back there, right? Um, because you are you know you are up a run and you do have two more chances. Uh, I don't know. I I don't know exactly the situation. I do think who's on the mound and who's hitting can also right change that if you really think you know somebody who's a, a lighter hitter and a really good pitcher or ground ball guy could make could make a difference there but yeah I, I it's I think what Boone was saying is is like hindsight's 2020 like obviously it was a weak ground ball I think at Gliber and the time run score so yeah if they're in then it doesn't happen and they end up losing the game so of course yeah if you if you had them in for that exact scenario yes you win the game but at the time, you know, you don't know that. So I, I give, I give Jake props for like holding his own and asking yeah. that kind of question and not just get bullshitting and, and saying whatever. But I do think from just a straight baseball perspective that Boone probably did the by the book kind of 
yeah. managerial decision right there. Said it better myself. Yeah, I, I was just like, yeah, you're you're throwing the white. You're 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 signaling that your bullpen. You don't trust your bullpen to get the outs. You're you're signaling that you don't trust your your hitters to score runs. It's like in the eighth inning. Let's just let's let's play not to lose in the eighth, not the ninth. So yeah, that didn't that didn't really make sense. I I'm so fascinated by this now, and also just you know. <laughs> I did see another video where Jake said he would have he would have benched Josh Donaldson after getting picked off at first base because he said he, he the Yankees aren't pushovers and they want to take the game seriously. So look, I'm no stranger. If you come on this podcast, I will have a slanted opinion towards that player. So, but that was an odd take. I I just had to I just want to put that out in the ether. I, I did I didn't like that take. Yeah, that was I thought that was interesting. I did agree with Boone on that. Like, because then what do you? telling your players, oh, if you're not going to be able to steal, then you shouldn't take a, an aggressive lead. And I feel like anyone can, Volpe can get picked off. Like Harrison Bader can get picked off. They're very fast. So I don't know. Kate, what is, what are New York Yankee fans like big complaint about Aaron Boone? They he doesn't, he doesn't hold the players accountable. So basically like he won't bench someone if they do something wrong. And when like a prime example is this weekend, after the Red Sox series, he said, yeah, I don't think we played that bad. So they are saying, like, instead of coming out to the media and saying, you know, this team is needs to get their heads out of their asses and figure it out, I think that's kind of their issue with that. No accountability, quote, unquote. Gotcha. That's interesting. Yeah, I feel like I feel like the players probably really like Boone, is my guess. Oh, yeah. Like, all those guys probably love him. I feel like they like he's really got their back and won't won't kind of throw them under the bus at all for that and yeah it's interesting because it's it's like a yankees thing too like i know i feel like he just gives them more of a benefit of doubt like as the yankees are like they're that's how that's what he's going to say in public privately he might tell them like hey you're being a fucking idiot or whatever but like when the when he's talking to the media he's not going to do that to them plus they do have a lot of you know vets it's like it's hard to do that to those to those type of guys yeah josh donaldson's got like 15 years in the show what do you, what do you sit him down and you like what are you talking about reprimand him yeah you cannot get josh picked Donaldson's... off for space well that's the only, like that's the boone i mean boone obviously played and was a good player so like he does have that kind of to back him, back himself up. Like some managers are great managers, but don't have that same um, resume as a player. So it could be harder for them to, or at least they think it's harder for them to do that. But yeah, I, I, that's just, I think that's what it's gotta be. Like he just won't do it in public, but he'll have those conversations behind closed doors with them or whatever. That's, I feel like the Mets fans too also had this gripe about Buck Showalter not that long ago where he might he might have came out and said they're not playing that bad or it, maybe something about Dan Vogelbach or something I don't know he had a quote that people at Mets fans were just annihilating him for on Twitter and I'm like New York sports fans are like guys like you can't get too high and you can't get too low I don't I don't know why they expect the manager to be out there like popping neck veins and screaming and spitting all over the place every time something ha- like bad happens doesn't really seem like that would be good every single time something bad happens. Well, I will say like George would come out to the media and be like, yeah, they suck. I don't know what's going on. I can't fix them. So I feel like that, like, you know, Hal and Cash don't really come out and do that. 
yeah at all so i think that's what they're used to of him literally just being so blunt like oh yeah he was out partying last night that's why he sucked today <laughs> you know he was very direct but i do i do agree they it is the high high low lows brian what are your favorite traits of managers that you've had do you like Ooh. the ones that are kind Ooh, of I even like keeled uh do you like the ones question. that are vocal what's that dynamic that is a great question um I think number one is having the guy, having the players back is definitely like as a team, like showing that is definitely important. And I think most, most managers do that really. Um, but then like communicate, like for me, communication was always big because, you know, I'm not Aaron judge or Josh Donaldson. Like my role was different. So them just kind of laying it out for me and like being just honest more than anything was always huge. Like cash, Kevin cash from the Rays was definitely great at that. Um, and they all were, but still like, that's huge. I think as an athlete, the like biggest thing you can ask for is just honesty more than anything. Like, cause if you, you know, if you tell me I'm not playing because I stink at this, well, okay. That might suck to hear, but, now I can go try to be better at whatever that thing is, you know, like that type of deal. Um, but I do think like even keel is definitely good too. Yeah. You don't want to get too high. You don't want to get too low. I do think there's a time and a place for, for a manager to like blow up, whether that's behind closed doors or whether that's um, prefer, I would say preferably behind closed doors, but also I don't think it's the worst thing ever. If he, if he says, something in the media, you know, there's definitely a line there too. Like of, you can't say certain things, but I do think it's okay to be like, yeah, we suck right now. We got to figure it out. I got to be better. We got to be better. Like that type of thing for sure. I mean, I've had great managers in the minor leagues. I don't think I've had it in the big leagues. I can't remember, but definitely the minor leagues where like we get done a game and come in and, all sitting there and next thing you know the table's getting flipped and going flying it's like what the fuck are we doing yeah like that i definitely think there's time and place for that too so um the good ones have that kind of combination and have that kind of feel for what the team needs in different moments if that's a or what each player needs too like if that's a if that's a hug and a and a, some encouragement or if that's a you know light a fire under your ass and, and get going type of deal. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, and you've had, yeah. And you've had some great managers over the years too. So it's fascinating to hear like the dynamic of how all they, you know, interact like that. Um, I, I, I did want to talk a little bit about the pirates because they just called up Henry Davis, 2021 number one overall pick. Um, it's interesting. He's a catcher, but I don't know if you saw this. They're only having him play right field. No word on when he's going to catch again. Um, and I saw a tweet. This is it's gonna make it sound bad, but the Pirates have the second worst catcher war in the entire MLB, and they're not gonna let Henry catch. Um, this guy can hit. Like I feel like they brought him up only for the bat, but I'm just wondering. Like I don't know how often I've seen a guy being told he can't play his normal position. They're like, dude, we only want you to hit. Like, have you seen that, Brian? Like, does have you seen guy like prospects get up so quickly that they're like, don't even don't even bring the glove to the field like that. Like that's that's wild. <laughs> They might have did that to Jordan Alvarez, honestly, but no, I really can't think of. Uh, I, I they must really think 
you know, those catchers defensively are, are better, like know, know the staff better, like something like that. That's the only thing I could think of. Um, or that he would, yeah, he would need more time to kind of learn those things. It is crazy. It really, like, it really is. But I mean, he's, you know, he, I'm sure he's fine with it. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll play right field, whatever. I'll come, I'll come to the show and play right field. I don't care. Good for that kid. I know he had a hit in his debut. Um, but it's kind of, I guess it's like a Wilson Contreras kind of style thing, like where they maybe want him to like learn some more up there before they just throw him in there or I don't know, but it's definitely interesting. Yeah. It's they said on the broadcast, they had Ben Charrington up there. They're like, you know, Miguel Cabrera, he wasn't allowed to play his normal position when he came up with the Marlins. And he's like, Oh, didn't, didn't think about that. Um, Kate, did you see Henry Davis? This is also a Henry Davis podcast, by the way. That we're Henry Davis fan page. Yeah, I did. I watched his post game, um, his post game presser too. He was like, "Oh, I've just always been like very confident." He's, I think he said the word "confident" four times, which I just love, especially from like a prospect. He said, "I've just, I've always been really, really confident in my abilities." Um, but he did great. Yeah, I think one hit, two hits. He definitely had a hit, but it was cool to see him come up. I the catching thing is really making me question a lot of decisions, though. I don't know. Is that like he's not going to catch at all or just for the time being? I think they said that like he's only going to catch in like the backfields and they really want him to focus on like learning the staff. And like they're like Jason DeLay and, and Hedges, I think is the other one. It's like those yeah. guys, they're both great defensively. I feel like DeLay's got, got a better bat. Um, yeah, I, just, I don't know. That just kind of stood out to me. I was just like, mm-hmm. you're not going to let him catch at all? Like, all right. Yeah. I mean, the only way you're going to learn is by doing it, right? So, um, the Pirates, yeah. they have lost seven in a row, though. So, um, the, they something's not working. I don't know. Are you worried about the Pirates, Brian? Yeah, now I am because the Reds are going off. And, you know, I don't think the Pirates, I don't think they were, you know, had a ton of talent coming in. So I think they were just playing pretty well to, to start the season and now maybe coming back down to, to earth a little bit. But, Never know. They could turn it around again. Yeah. This is You're a Pirates you guy. I am. I am a Pirates, Pirates guy. Fan. I also get made fun of because I have, everybody says I have a thousand favorite teams. So, you know, just, I'll wear that one. I don't care. Um, <laughs> did you want to end, did you want to end Kate by talking a little bit about Shohei though? Cause I, he's doing it again. Like it's having a Shohei year, you know, I just, I think it's, I think it's worth noting. I, I'll, I'll pose a question to you guys at the end though. On a tear, obviously, leading league average OPS hitting, has the lowest opponent average in all of Major League Baseball as a pitcher. Just an enigma. Like, I just, I don't understand how he functions. We were having a whole debate, though, over the weekend. Like, how much do you actually even ask for when he gets either re-signed by the Angels or goes somewhere else? But I will do want to ask you guys this. Do you think he can hit 50 home runs this year? I think that's way over the top. Or you think, nope, I think that's acceptable. Ooh, it's his career high. Uh, 46 is his career high. 24. I think I like he's he, I, Yeah, I, I think he's going to get 50. And I think, should we should we just have a different award specifically for him? Because it kind of feels unfair if we're just going to give him <laughs> the AL MVP every year. Like there should be like a, a Shohei Otani yeah. award or something. He's just a unicorn. He's just not even... Yeah, it's hard to compare him to anybody. I don't know. I don't know where the contract goes. Like, I don't – I'm so interested to see how they value that out because he literally has two players. And 
like what do you do you, like you give him 600 million dollars like i don't i don't understand like it's nuts but i i like i'll just never forget whatever he does hitting and pitching like it's insane i'll just never forget when playing against him in spring training he had a ball so like an absolute laser off the left center field wall and i was in center and i'm like yelling at our left fielder like two 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 like you might he hit it so hard that you might have a chance to throw him out of second base and when i like look back to see where he was he was already like a step from second base like he is fast as shit too like he is just a freak it's it, he's He's just special. There's no like other way to put it. So yeah, he's it's nuts. Was that when Pujols was still playing? Because I did you tell a story about getting on first base with Pujols or something too? Is that the same game? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> shout out, shout out, Albert. That was great. He gave me so. My real claim to fame these days is that I'm two for two off Shohei Otani in a spring training game. So perfect. Um, my first bat, I let off the game, and he was pitching and. uh Albert was playing first and I mean, I hit it. I, I hit it hard ground ball and it stayed like right over the bag. It was an easy triple with Albert playing first, put it that way with somebody else playing first. It maybe could have been a nice diving play. I don't know, but it was triple in the books. And then uh, my second at bat, I hit, I smoked a single line drive to right field and I got the first base and Albert was still in there, and I was like, holy shit, it's Albert Pujols, you know. And he was talking to me. He's like, man, nice swing. And I was like, holy shit, it's Albert Pujols. Me? You're talking to me? Yeah, that was really cool because then it went back, like, one of my first spring trainings, like, at all. I was, like, backing out the big league game, and we were playing at the Angels. So, like, I wasn't in big league camp. I just, like, went to, you know, in case someone got hurt or, like, you know how they put guys in late in those games uh they were taking bp on the field and this guy was just hitting like lasers i'm like man it's pretty nice good swings right there and i got like closer to the turtle and it was albert Pujols was hitting i was like holy shit it's albert Pujols because he was like you know one of my absolute favorites growing up so that was always crazy like seeing him like that still yeah so cool good old Pujols. any other starstruck (laughs) moments i feel like i've never asked you this yeah. Pools was definitely one. I'm trying to think. Who else? Yadier Molinez was one. Um, Molinez. What did I just call him? Molina. Did I call him Molinez? Yadier Molina. Uh, yeah, I got rung up. Like, it was one of my first games. He was catching and I got rung up on a ball that was like six inches off the plate. And I was like, fuck. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, Yachty's catching. So, yeah, I'm out. That's like my third game. Uh, <laughs> who else is there? I mean, it was definitely like meeting meeting like Manny for the first time was definitely uh, pretty crazy. But right away he was – that went away quick because he was just awesome. Um and he was on my team, so it was not as bad. But uh, who else have I ran into like that? There aren't too many. Like I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I've ever like met Trout. Trout would have been one that would have been pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but I feel like a lot of those guys are like gone. You know, like guys I really grew up watching or liking that much. If I, it was meeting Joey Votto was one too because he was. 
he, I mean, I was in college or high school or college when he was MVP. Like, so that was a pretty cool one. Um, but same thing. I was around him so much. It like went away fast. Um, but pull. Yeah. I think pull hose was probably the number one for me. Miggy. Jerry Miggy. Did I mean, I, if I did, it was real quick. He hit, <laughs> I'll never forget when I, I played, uh, was, the Rays had me playing third base in spring training. And, uh, he he was the first one to hit a ground ball to me in a game. And I was like, shit, this is Miggy. And he, yeah, ground ball, and I fielded it perfect. I'm like, oh, hell yeah. Came up and threw it, and it went about 10 feet before it went into the ground. I just spiked it. It was like <laughs> right in the ground. And uh, Jose Martinez, thank God, picked it at first base for me. So I was pumped about that. But I don't know if I've actually met Miggy or if it was just that, and that's what I'm thinking of. That's so he has cool. your favorite at bat in, in big league history. Mm-hmm. That is true. And I saw somebody tweeted that the other day, like said like the favorite big league or major league at bat ever. And people were like, it was a thread of all the, you know, people saying their bats are like putting video off of it. And someone put that up and I was like, there it is. Best one ever. It was off of Kate. Mariano. It was off of Merritt. Yeah. It was off of Mariano in Yankee stadium. Oh you know, my gosh. It. it was an unbelievable bat, but yeah. Cause he kept, it started with him like limping because he fouled like four balls off his shin. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yes, great at bat. You know who else said that was your favorite at bat? Greg Amsinger. I think you had, you had left at that point or something. And then like 20 really? minutes maybe after you hopped off the call that, I don't know, I guess it was last May or something. Yeah. yeah. He's like, this reminds me of my favorite at bat ever. And he described what you're talking about. I was like, <laughs> it's like, shut the hell up, Greg. No, no way. <laughs> Dude, it was a great – I mean, it was an unbelievable bat. It really was. And just, like, everything he – I mean, it was Mariano Rivera, too. Like, just yeah. the like the face-off between the two of them. Like, it was just – it was unbelievable. And it was the tie the game, you know, in the ninth inning. Like, it was just sick. Okay. I have one last question, but uh, I'll defer to Kate in case she has any last questions. I'm good. Go ahead. Okay. Fire away. What is your favorite at bat that you've been in? Mine. Oh, wow. That is an, I've never even thought about that. Honestly, I don't think, um, Max Scherzer, where you looked at the first pitch (laughs) (laughs) in the major leagues, it would probably have to be either my, my first Homer just because yeah. For obvious reasons. Um, and that also tied, I was pinch hit and tied the game in like the seventh or eighth inning. So it was a good one. Um, also, my first homer with the Padres was a pretty good one for me because I just got back and like was working on stuff to, in AAA and I was like went off. But my first at bat. I struck out, I think with the bases loaded with two outs and uh, like was looking at the iPad and saw exactly what I was doing and like made the adjustment that next to bat and hit the homer. So that was like fun. That's cool. Um, I'm trying to think, God, I don't know. I've had a plenty in the minor, like in the minor leagues, but. Um, did, you ever, did you ever work somebody for like 15 pitches? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's the best. I'm trying to think of like the ending. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. Jay, you're going to know my favorite one was when uh, 
the the guy from Indianapolis threw at my head, and then I hit the next pitch over the over the trees in center field and threw my bat 15 feet in the air. That's probably my favorite one. I'm gonna find that clip now. I love it so much. That's a good clip. Yeah, uh, Kate, I was playing in in AAA. Indianapolis was like our. It's like an hour from Louisville. We played them all the time, and I owned them. I mean, owned them, and our pitchers, not on purpose, but they hit a lot of their guys like by accident. And that game, they put up like six runs in the first inning or something. And I was hitting fourth. So I let off the sec the, the top of the second and the first pitch goes right at my head. I duck, but I don't drop the bat. So the ball hits my bat for a foul ball. And so like everybody in the clip is like the counts. Oh, one, like what are you going to strike? What are you talking about? And uh, yeah. So the next, the, so the next pitch, he throws a fastball down the middle and I, I, I mean, I fucking hit the shit out of it. And I threw my bat like straight up in the air and <laughs> the announcer, the announcer is like, uh, someone's got to tell him great. He's not, he didn't hit like a six run Homer or something like that. <laughs> And then it turned into like this war of words on Twitter at the time. It was funny. So yeah, that's, that's probably awesome. my that's probably my favorite one of the minor leagues. I forgot about that. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> I need to see the clip. JA's got it somewhere. I I think yeah. I think you might have told that story to to was it uh, TJ Anton? Um, yeah, because TJ started that game. He got lit up. And that was the reason why I got thrown at. <laughs> Thanks, TJ. Yep. He's coming back, dude. He's coming back. This is the best. I, I like I don't think I've laughed this hard in so long. Also, I think I have a photographic memory for Brian O'Grady at bats now. So <laughs> I don't know. We just we we just do, do another hour, just you know, rattle them off. But uh I remember uh, a lot of at bats. If you pull if you if you ask me about a specific at bat, I'll definitely it might take me a second, but it's in the memory bank. I'll, it'll come back. It's funny how that ML- works. MLB film room or whatever, it's like MLB's video search. You can literally look at every pitch you've ever like that's been thrown to you in the big leagues. Um, it's just great for pulling clips for some of these other guys, but yeah, it is interesting. So yeah, we might just do a random Brian O'Grady pitch. Like what you'll just foul one off and that might, that might just be the clip for the day. (laughs) 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 I'm going to start doing that by the way. What Um, an exciting clip. Oh dude, this is the best. Thank like, look, look, if we'll, we'll figure out a a schedule and, you know, the next appearance, but, um, I don't think I've laughed this hard in a while. So, so thank you for making your, the grand you know, return to the pod after, after all this time. So um, yes. thank you, dude. Thanks, thank Brian. you guys. Thank you guys for having me back. Kate. It was nice meeting you. So Kate. nice meeting you. Always fun talking to you, buddy. And before we get out of here, a special thank you to the band stick figure for allowing us to use today's intro and outro music.